What are you doing there? They think I'm a reincarnation of that priest in the tomb. But the priest in the tomb's a man. How can you be a reincarnation of him? Well, the form the spirit takes isn't important, Susan. This is what's important. She may be the face I can't forget A trace of pleasure or regret Maybe my treasure or the price I have to pay She may be the song that summer sings Maybe the chill that autumn brings Maybe a hundred different things Within the measure of a day She may be the beauty or the beast Maybe the famine or the feast May turn each day into a heaven Hello and welcome back beyond the sofa. I'm Peter. And I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back, Dave. How are you? I'm good. Um, What a month to take off. Crikey. Yes, (laughs) quite. Happy birthday, by the way. Oh, well, happy birthday to you too. Well, thank you. Yes, we've both had birthdays in the past week, um, which we seem to do every year. So, you know, no news there. Just means we're older and grumpier, and, and none, none the wiser. So, um, how was your week? How was your month? How was your trip? Uh, a, g- a good trip. Have spent a large chunk of the last week trying to recover from jet lag. The kids have bounced back like rubber bands, and myself and my Super. wife are still waking up at four o'clock in the morning, going. Ah. <laughs> Did Ireland agree with you? Uh, it did. I have to be honest, though, I'm, I, most of the time we spent staying with in-laws, which, while they're lovely, um, you're staying with your in-laws. It can just be mm. a little uh, uh, claustrophobic, especially oh, in yeah. rural, rural Ireland, where where do you go? What do you do? <laughs> Although I was able to get a pass out to catch up with a friend, Sean, mm-hmm. to go to his house to watch the 6 o'clock Wimbledon. Of course. Which was too late. <laughs> But I think oh, we'll right. get on to that shortly. <laughs> How about yourself? How was your week? Oh, my week. My week was pretty nice. I had my birthday last. Uh, now, just to, sorry, do you want to put that much personal detail about your birthday in the podcast? Well, you never know. I might get cards next year. <laughs> okay, fair okay. So I had my birthday last week and uh, it, was, it was very nice. I got a cake at work and then I came home to another cake the following day off and uh, the missus and I went out and had a, a nice meal and then the weekend because you know being a Leo I, I must have a three-day birthday and a few little sort of blaggy things along the way I'm, I'm sporting some new headphones which mm-hmm. uh, seem to do the business and I've got a few more vouchers to spend and yeah happy as happy but older you know as Dr Huvens I assume we're happy because even the Labour Party is taking a leaf out of Doctor Who's book and Recasting their curmudgeon as a dynamic youth-saving <laughs> young lady. Yes, yes, indeed. So New Zealand politics has taken a very interesting turn, and in, uh, a new leader for the Labour Party, the sixth in nine years. It's not quite Australian levels because we do this with Labour leaders rather than prime ministers, but mm. very interesting. Uh, Jacinda Ardern, thirty-seven, the youngest leader of the Labour Party looking for all intents and purposes like the future of the party who knows where this might go the elections in eight, eight weeks, weeks? Yeah. yeah and i, I just I, feel I, like I, it started yesterday it pretty much started with a new leader for the labor party 
As soon as I heard they were having a meeting, I, mm. I was pretty sure the way it was going to go. But I'm just sitting there going, yeah, a year to six months too late, guys. You've lost a lot of ground. Well, I don't know if you've been following the news for the past day, but the, the party has received just about quarter of a million dollars mm. in donations just in the past 24 hours and about a thousand offers of volunteers so mm. somewhere a pulse has been tapped mm. and yes okay eight weeks is not much of a run-up but mm. for better or worse the policy is not really going to change it's the spokesperson and mm. that spokesperson might make a big difference i think we might have a game on our hands given the state of the world and uh, other interesting political things happening around the personality rather than the mm. the message. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, let's hope that this, this this positive public trend for ladies taking charge is, is a good thing in a, in a wider sense with what we're talking I'll about trust, tonight. I trust you to bring this uh, back to Doctor Who, Dave. <laughs> I know. It's almost like it's what we're supposed to talk about. Crikey. <laughs> do we leap into the, the announcement? I, I appreciate you've already done this with Jono, or do we do some news? Let's look at the week that was, Dave, anyway. Because what a week. It's not all been good news. Yeah, we've had some sad departures as well. Uh, we lost Trevor Baxter. Uh, Telon of Wen Chiang's George Lightfoot, uh, who recently had 13 seasons with Big Finish. It was 13. Lightfoot, it was 13. Wow. And I, I, I'd lo- I, I, I desperately hope they've got something up their sleeve mm. to see him off. You know, it sounds like he was a lovely chap. Lightfoot was a lovely character, mm. a wonderful double act, and I'm really going to miss them if that's it for the series. I think it almost would be. Yeah, I think so. I don't know if they'd carry on without him, but uh, some sort of tribute episode would be nice, but uh, who, who knows? It's been one mm. of the big successes Big Finish have had. Mm. Uh, like the reinvention of the Sixth Doctor, so I don't know. Uh, it's, mm. uh, it's it's a very sad loss because he was one of the elder statesmen, I believe, in, in the UK acting biz anyway. Mm. Oh yeah. So yes, there are some lovely tributes on uh, from Big Finish and you know from their team um, on the mm. website as well, which you know, well worth a read. He clearly touched people and more ways and just as performance it just as a presence and a raconteur and just seems like a lovely person to have been around mm, mm, mm. and of course in the same week deborah watling which was mm. a big shock to me i think i was sitting at an airport just browsing on my phone and the tribute started coming in and i thought oh god no i have to be honest it wasn't as much of a shock to my system as Nicholas Courtney a few years ago, or Liz Sladen, because Victoria was never a companion I viewed much as a performance. I read the target novelizations, but the, none of mm. the episodes ever were mm. available. So I never had that affinity with the character. And for me, Deborah Watling's always been more downtime, the big finish stuff, and the... Um, Tapes recovered in, of all places, Hong Kong. Um, <laughs> the missing episode tapes, yeah. Yeah, uh, so uh, sad news, but um, it's, it's a bit remote for me, if that makes any sense. I think I agree. For years, she was a picture in a book, or she was a, a name in a list, which was mm. very sad. I mean, it really wasn't until two, 
of the Cybermen that you could buy an episode with her in it, even though you know her debut was there for Evil of Evil of the Daleks. And thankfully, we now have you know the Web of Fear and Enemy of the World. But so much of her season was is gone or was gone. And I think the first time I ever saw her was a, a retrospective in a sort of an, an 80s Doctor Who magazine where there were portraits of her, but that was the portraits of her in, I think it was Alice in Wonderland she was in. You know, she looked fantastic. She was a little bit younger than she would have been when she took on the role of Victoria, but it, it was absolutely in keeping. And, and so for a long time, that was the image of Victoria I had in my mind. Mm very fortunate now that we have more of her story or Victoria's story to go on to sort of remind us of her time in the series. But on a more positive note, a lot more of her performances will become available because of the news at Comic-Con. Brit Box Mm. are going to be releasing, sounds very much like the Loose Cannon style telesnap reconstructions. I think they are the loose cannon telesnap reconstructions from what I can gather, Mm. if not necessarily in name. Have you seen any of the footage? There was uh, the wheel in space was sort of tied to the announcement, and there was a preview reel that I think is now on YouTube. I've only seen a very little bit with maybe three or four stills mm. of Jamie Triotin and the TARDIS mm. letting off a lot of steam. Telesnaps are a very interesting beast because they can work, but sometimes they can also be very uh, stilted. Uh, it depends yeah. really on how well Mr. Kura was pressing the button. And, of course, there's, there are big holes in the Telesnap archive. I think mostly in the Hartnell ones. Mm. No Mythmakers. Yes, and things like that. I mean, for the longest time, there's nothing for Marco Polo either. Mm. Um, and I've, I've recently watched the Telesnaps for that. That worked okay. And sometimes it works even better than the animation, I find, because I was watching the animation for Reign of Terror only today, and I, I mm. just found that quite jumpy and, right. and unsettling. It looked fantastic in the stills. But the other thing, of course, is... Speaking of animations, it's almost like we planned this discussion, crikey. Um, Mm -hmm. Speaking of animations, Shada, most made as many times as possible (laughs) story, is the next uh, animated episode to go up on the wake of Power of the Daleks, which I think everyone's a bit surprised by. Hmm. It doesn't seem so long ago that it was released as a DVD, admittedly sort of in the dribs and drabs of the last few releases. Mm. But it's not, you know, it's not like that treasure trove of something that's been in the archive for years and no one's seen. You, as you pretty much allude, you're almost spoiled for choice. You've got Gareth Roberts' book, you've got the Big Finish audio and animation, you've got the DVD version, and if you're particularly lucky, you may have seen the Ian Levine remounted version as well. Yes. Plus there was the old VHS I'm assuming that the big selling point is it's a new Tom Baker episode. Mm. Especially for things like BBC America, there's a bit of a market there. And it's also a Douglas Adams episode. And I don't know if they're going to actually animate it all or try and slip in the the live footage. It could be a bit of a potpourri of... Of things, but there's a lot of there's a lot of hooks there that make it. You can see why they've picked it, but mm. I don't think many people would have actually picked it that they would have done it. No, and I no. still have a soft spot for the McGann one too. I thought that was quite cleverly done, but hey. Well, I know you said that it's almost like we planned this, but I don't know whether you're aware of the strange synchronicity going on here, Dave. But in leading up to this episode, because you know there's a whole main event we're to talk about. 
I went back over our uh, our last episode to deal with a female doctor with you and I, which was no sex, please, we're time lords. And in that, we're talking about the exciting news <laughs> that Power of the Daleks was going to be animated. Mm. It's so uncanny. But yeah, we, we were speculating then what could be next. And we were thinking it was going to be something like Evil, maybe, or... Mm. Or maybe Marco Polo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here we are with Sharda. Hopefully it does really well, and then on the back of that, they can justify some more of the more traditional missing episodes, mm. which would be great. I don't begrudge them, Sharda. I just, in my head, it's actually been done in flash animation with Paul McGann. So I can see how they're doing, wanting to do a Douglas Adams, Tom Baker, lost story, inverted commas, that they can then mark it up. Mm and get a return on so yeah i don't know if how power sold or how well that did but no the, the part of the problem is you are making probably slightly longer than it needs to be 60s television that's right and again we, we discussed this in the earlier podcast is you're very much following the format of, of audio mm. which was always always accompanied visuals which you then have to invent or reinvent so the idea of pacing is not really there because it's predetermined Mm. And especially for action sequences, we are trying to match scuffles on the floor yeah, with crackiness. something happening. Again, interest, interesting watching Reign of Terror, trying to see how they've tried to block things in the one or two action sequences they need to try and look at. Well, even the dialogue sequences, I think there were mentions of instances in power where you could sort of you could feel a certain frustration because you knew that while say Polly or Ben were saying something, Patrick Trout was probably doing something absolutely magical with his face. Mm. Um, mm. But instead the animation sort of result because you know, because of cost restraints and because there's no camera script to necessarily dictate what the actors are doing, you're sort of left with somebody shrugging and nodding their head or something like that. And yeah. it's a bit unsatisfying. Yeah, the nuance of the performance is completely gone. And watching the Reign of Terror one today, the direction style of the animation is totally different to the direction style of the episodes. Although mm. I believe there was lots of direction issues within Reign that may have meant things were a bit quirky anyway. So you wonder if they're trying to match telesnaps if they have them, or if it's just a case of there's lots of face close-ups because faces can be animated fairly cheaply and you don't have for still bodies standing there and the mouth slowly flapping. So, you know, animation and live action have different visual requirements. So it's never going to be right. And uh, so uh, in many ways, I, I, I'd be very intrigued to see how they, just to bring the comic the discussion back around, how they bring these new telesnap things to life and if they're going to be significantly different to the ones that Loose Cannon have produced before. I mean, there's only a limited number of telesnaps you can work with. In the past, Loose Cannon have done a, a very valiant job at trying to introduce CGI animation to the telesnaps, trying to Photoshop the telesnaps so they're at least a bit of better mirror, mirroring and flow. I think the Marco Polo one for the missing telesnap stories, they've created a lot of scenes with telesnaps from elsewhere in the adventure to cover those episodes It'd be very interesting yeah of course with uh, with Sharda it's uh, apparently going to be directed or co-directed by Pennant Roberts so there is a link okay. with uh, you know with the direction of the time yeah take that with a possible grain of salt I mean direction 
styles change over time, even with one director. But um, I guess at least there's the intent. <laughs> there's a bad name. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of animation and, and other formats and other media, the other news, Jenny at Big Finish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't sound impressed. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm not that moved by it. I didn't, uh, the Doctor's Daughter is not a favourite episode of mine. And I, th- I was thinking about the, the survival of Jenny at the end of the story. The story mm. went, of course, that Russell T Davies intended to just bump her off. Mm. But that Moffat said, oh, no, don't do that. That's what Star Trek would do. And persuaded Davies to keep her alive, fly off into space and have her own adventures. You know, notwithstanding, mm. there was some anticipation that we might see those adventures it didn't happen until now i just sort of look back on that now and think well yeah but that's what moffat's done with pretty much all of his characters <laughs> like apart yeah. from amy and rory they're dead but ah oh, they're not quite dead <laughs> so that sort of has been somewhat tainted there and you know she's not his daughter she's his clone and there will be fans and people will like it and and that's cool but it's I don't think it's something I would necessarily pursue myself. Plus, it almost feels like Big Finish have been to this stretch of the river before with India Fisher's Charlie Pollard, with Vienna. River Song Diaries. River Song Diaries. And Churchill Years. Bernie Summerfield. <laughs> you know, what's your point of difference? Again, the proof of the pudding will be what they end up doing with them. Mm. But I know what you're saying. Again, back to... Jago and Lightfoot, one of the joys of it is there's nothing else quite like these two old duffers saving the world. Mm. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's improbable. Mm. Whereas oh, kick-ass lady with the past with the Doctor, as you say, there have been a few of them. Mm. So I, I haven't a ch- chance to even listen to the trailer if there's one yet or really process that one, but we'll see. Mm. And another news, <laughs> as I said, I was in the UK... I missed the announcement at Wimbledon, which, I don't know, to me sums up a lot of issues with Doctor Who at the minute. Mm. So, there'll be a big announcement. There'll be a big, watch for the big announcement. Oh, we've already done the big announcement. You can see it on your phone. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. We missed the announcement, and it, I ended up, he ended up reading me the announcement. Sean ended mm. up reading me the announcement, and we watched the trailer on his phone. And it was the most anticlimactic thing. Oh, dear. And... I'll put my cards on the table don't, mm. with the Jodie Whittaker thing. I don't care. Mm. We're at least a year away from her actually being able to perform. Mm-hmm. I sort of, in my head and my heart, knew it was going to be a female doctor. Proof of the pudding will be in the performance. I can't get myself emotionally worked up about it, especially if they're going to fumble the reveal. And it's a bit like the master appearing, and it's a bit like other things. It all feels like a bit of a smoke and mirrors, and at heart, maybe a bit of a marketing cock-up. And this is in no way to detract from Jodie Whittaker and what she may do, and it's all going to be great, but Mm. I just get this endless feeling of this, and this season. I mean, I've missed sort of the boat with an end-of-season review, but it just all feels bungled a bit. And I've I've not been involved, you know I've been travelling so I've not followed the fallout, mm. but from the BBC point of view, just just there just seems this mishmash of yeah dropping the ball, running the marathon and crashing into the kebab stand as we said before, running the marathon and ending at Wimbledon, 
if you're going to build mm. up that much anticipation, possibly don't put it at the end of a sporting match. You know, where the end could be in, not 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 logically determined. You should make an appointment, and it's going to happen at this hour rather yes. than at the end of this piece of string. Yes, exactly. Because who knows, maybe there were two men's singles players who were also really keen to know who the new doctor was going to be. <laughs> and they were playing their lives out, <laughs> hoping to get to the end. I don't think Ironically, so. the men's singles for a female <laughs> doctor announcement. Yeah. But, um, I, I mean, I, I know there's been fallout, and uh, Stephen Moffat's gone on record saying, actually, there's only one or two people who are uh, getting their knickers in a twist. Most people are fine with it. Mm. It's just, you know, People being uh, making a drama out of nothing, and, and I agree. I can't. I can't get mm. motivated to be worried. <laughs> no, it. no, and, and and I would agree with him. But it's well, it's it's more than two or three people, according to the Radio Times. Fifteen percent of readers or fans weren't keen on the idea, and they voiced their not keenness in different ways. Some probably remained silent, and some were quite vocal. Well, how can you be registered as someone who's not keen if you're silent? Well, maybe it was a voting button. Well, then you're not being silent. Wow. Okay, sorry. Nevertheless. I'm a Doctor Who fan. I've got my pendant hat (laughs) sitting in the corner. It looks a bit like a fizz. I'm sorry. (laughs) Nevertheless, a minority of fans don't appear to have liked the change at the time. Now, two weeks have passed at least... I think maybe more and the world's moved on and thankfully mm. I think that argument has moved on uh, I was in Auckland last week Dave and in fact had a lovely lunch with Jono while I was up there so mm-hmm. uh, we we went over this together at the Hello, time Jono. I was, <laughs> and at the time I was quite a bit grumpy because I'd seen in the past week and read in the past week what I thought to be not very fanish behaviour and I'm not talking about that 15% because that 15% are on the wrong side of history, for, for better or worse. Mm. But it's a complicated 15% of people. And I think in the noise and kerfuffle and celebration, there was an unfortunate amount of yahooing and catcalling and jeering mm. and ridiculing of those people. And, geez, I mean, we don't even know. We don't even know these people. And I think even maybe the, the, you know, the best of fandom, whoever they are, Mm. probably didn't turn out in the best of colours on those first few days because there were jokes mm. on podcasts, there were jokes on message boards about salty male tears and it just got a little bit mean. Because yeah. I say I think I think I think it is complicated. You're dealing with people who have had a proprietary relationship with who and maybe these guys and they're generally guys have been fans for a long time. Maybe they were fans during the wilderness years for 16 years yeah, of there not being a series. You can sort of maybe see their viewpoint that they sort of did feel like they were the ones carrying the torch for the series for a long time. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it has been 12 years mm. since the show's been back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've argued with ourselves repeatedly the show's not being made for us anymore. Oh, yeah. And the other thing is is something I've sort of come to realise myself over the past year with a bit more clarity than I've... I I sort of knew but never actually sat down and sort of had a good discussion with myself about before. Hmm. Is it arguing about Doctor Who or any television programme 
while it's being aired and you know it's it's not like you can change the fact they've already made it is the most first world of first world problems come on oh no but uh, i don't think that's much of a contra argument because uh, the, the world is not going to end but i think even that as a response diminishes the other argument and we should be better than that we should be we should be listening and we should be engaging rather than shutting down mm. those voices because it's not like they don't deserve to be heard. They're wrong and sometimes they are ridiculous. <laughs> but you don't need to you don't make the, you don't need to belittle people just because you yes. don't agree with them. No, no, I, I sort of agree where you're coming from. I definitely agree that, you know, we should actually all be better than mm. having that type of argument of that that type of um bickering Hmm. on both sides i don't know whether you heard about peter davison leaving twitter i did and that was sad that anyone could feel that yeah way about it but having said that though i don't do twitter because i personally have my own grapples with social media being echo chambers i remember when the omni room was on Hmm. and there were people who were so convinced that there must be more because they were in a news group where everyone agreed that there must be more and it doesn't actually change the fact that there aren't, you know, mm. wishing something or complaining about something loud enough isn't going to alter reality either way. No. And I'm not cross about any of it. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not, not, and I'm not going to have an argument about it. It's just sort of depressing and disappointing. <laughs> Standing back and watching it, because, again, I've been lucky enough to be in forced exile. <laughs> social media for the better part of a month so you can come back and look at stuff and go what <laughs> well let's just say it was mercifully short but it just mm. it for those first few days it was just a little bit mad i actually sort of went offline for a bit because i thought this is this is actually getting a bit, this is getting a bit cruel and it just, mm. you know mere weeks after this great speech of the doctor saying be kind do the decent mm. thing do the right thing not because it's you don't do these things because they're easy. In fact, they're sometimes the hardest thing to do, but, you you know, mm. just be kind. And instead, you know, you can, you can expect this kind of bullying of the stereotypical, bespectacled Doctor Who enthusiast from the likes of satire sites like The Mash and The Feed mm. and News Thump. And by cracker, they all did it. But there was a pile-on with fans sharing it and laughing at the same time. And I just thought, we've missed an opportunity here. Mm. We really have. And especially as, and I'm not trying to talk down to anyone here, Mm. but if anyone had been watching as a fan and paying attention, it's not a surprise. Oh, no, the seeds were there. And as we played in this episode, the seeds have been there since 1964. Well, that's humans for you, Dave, always seeing patterns. (laughs) Yes, well, that's true, but... Even down to the fact the Doctor doesn't have to be the Doctor anymore. You know, we've mm. had Peter Capaldi repeatedly saying this season, being the Doctor, well, or previous Doctors, you know, it's been inherent throughout the new Who that being the Doctor is not actually corporally being this person from Gallifrey. It's about being the person who, as you says, is kind and makes the stand and outwits the monsters by using their own weapons against them. Mm. It's interesting because normally I get hit up about things. You know me. Mm. Uh, but because I've had this enforced period of, of not being about, I can sort of come in and go, what What do you mean there's a fuss? What? Oh, what? 
What what do you mean Peter Davison's off Twitter? Well, I don't blame him. I wouldn't be on Twitter anyway. Well, I wouldn't what? be on Twitter. Even even Ed Sheeran left Twitter for a while after uh, cameoing in a particular program recently. Uh, Which I still haven't caught up with. Yes, I know. So. I, I, I wondered if you hadn't, so I'll say no more. That's um, well, okay. Um, that'll be another podcast. Yeah. Look, um, the, the, the other side of it, just to, to wrap things up, the other side of it was the media coverage, which was yes. a bit all over the place. I think it finally resolved into a, this is a great thing. Yeah. Which is good that it did resolve it. But locally, friend of the pod, Paul Schoons, was duly rounded up to be the, uh, uh, the voice of Who Fandom in New Zealand. But it sort of became apparent in, in the sort of the days afterwards in the way that he was sort of recalling the event that the likes of the project who had spoken to him were probably after a different kind of reaction. They weren't necessarily after someone who was going to be reasonable and say, well, this is really interesting. Mm. They were wanting alongside that someone who was probably going to be more along the lines of that screaming skull <laughs> that, yes. that they wanted from fandom. And, and that person is not that easy to find no they're they are a very uh, potentially very vocal mm. but small minority yeah um, uh, i i can think of a few names well yes and, and one of them did appear and you know he he was the subject of ridicule himself and unfortunately got a wee mention on beyond the sofa along those lines and i didn't feel good about it a few days afterwards and thought actually no, that's again. It's more complicated than that. Mm. that, that you know, this guy is, is is a guy who's been on the periphery of fandom and in the middle of fandom for a long, long time. Why shouldn't he feel proprietary about it? No, there's very good reasons why you shouldn't. No. But we all do. Yeah. But we all do. No, if, we if, all do. We all do. But uh, but but, but if, if, even the people who see a female doctor as progressive and right, and this opens so many doors, they're being proprietary over the series. That's what being a fan is about. Is, is feeling like there's a piece yeah. of you in there. I, I get where you're coming from. What I'm trying to get on is the, the age-old comment about there's a difference between your right to have an opinion and the fact your opinion is right. Uh, two very different things. Oh, yes, but, you know, that's, uh, there's the old adage of I disagree with you, but I'll defend your right to be wrong. Yes. <laughs> um, and it's that second bit we're all missing out on. Yeah. Mm. Be kind doesn't just apply to those with whom we agree. Yes, and and that's something we all need to bear. Yeah. On a happier note, mm. everyone's going to die at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Explain. Christmas Taylor is up. Yes, so I watched this with Jono for the first time on his phone. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> looks interesting. I, I have a slight feeling of... of I came out, and again, I'm sorry, dear listener, you're, you're having to deal with me get, going through my end of episode issues because I, I watched the last episode of the season on a very small screen, mm. on a very cramped flight, so not under ideal circumstances. And I sort of got to the end of it and felt a bit numb, and my exact words summed up to everyone was, well, I think we're all about ready for a change. Mm-hmm. And... I'm looking at the Christmas episode, still thinking, yeah, I think we're all about ready for a change. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at it going, do something sentimental and do something Christmassy to, as a last hurrah. That's great. Hmm. Don't kick the door down on your way out. Because I'm looking at it going, are they, are they going to mess with both three generations? Well, or just the <laughs> one? Or yeah, we've already had a retcon. Are, are we going to timey-wimey things? Mm. Uh, yep. The other thing I've noticed 
and again, I don't know if anyone else has picked up on this because I've not actually listened to many podcasts since I've come back. I've hmm. been catching up with Mr. Jim Moon. But Happy birthday, Jim. Yes, happy birthday, Jim. We're, we're, we're all the good people having their birthday at the minute. <laughs> of course, everyone's going, oh, we're on 10th Planet, and this is the last story of the first Doctor. Yeah, there's Polly. But also in the trailer, we're in the trenches. Mm, with Mark Gatiss. With Mark Gatiss, but mm. are we going to see Patrick Troughton, I like, popping for another departure as well? I hope not. There have been a few comments of, please not Reese Smith again. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, no, maybe you could do without that. Yeah, it appears the Hartnell Doctor, or the Bradley Doctor, if you will, has become sort of collateral in the story and that we've had a retcon of his hands glowing. Hopefully they can get him down on the floor of the TARDIS to regenerate and he won't sort of scoot across the lino with the force of his own fanta head when it finally happens. I'm drifting. No, no, I know. Fair <laughs> enough. I've just got this nagging feeling they're going to regenerate him into the 13th Doctor. And Capaldi will be a watch. I just don't. I've just. I'm. I'm just looking at it, going. Do not frickin' timey wimey this, please. Let's go. Let's just just close it all off nicely and leave. Not. You're scaring me, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm scaring me too. But like I said, jet lag. <laughs> <laughs> Beyond that, you know, it's nice to see Bradley back in the in the role. I did enjoy yeah. him in an adventure in time and space. Mm. Yeah. What did you think of the morph between Hartnell and Bradley? A little weird, yeah. but look, as long as you don't play that card too heavily, I'll just say he's a reincarnated Richard Herndl or something. Yeah, I just... I, I'm sure Polly was t- much taller compared to the first Doctor, <laughs> and I'm sure there is a brief moment of time between scenes that they could cram a story in. We'll, we'll see. We'll see at Christmas. Um, but again, with all that in the offing, I, I, I find it very hard to get too motivated about the 30 seconds that will happen at the end of the episode. Mm. And, of course, we may see Jodie Whittaker. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm getting mm. at. The Jodie Whittaker, there's, there's still a good Christmas special, hopefully, between us and Jodie Whittaker. So. And Bill is back. Well, Bill is back possibly for closure, which, you know, get another one of these sort of Moffat things. Um, well, it, no, well, it, it, it makes me wonder. You remember the last Nolan Batman movie? Mm-hmm. This is not too spoilery, dear listener. I, I, I just, if you haven't seen the film, I won't give too much away. But there's a little sequence of things at the end, and there's a theory that actually all that's going on in Alfred's mind. Carry on. The, the happy ending at the end of the Batman movie is a, is actually something Alfred's imagining, and actually the ending is as final as everything up to the last five minutes plays out. And just looking at the end of the last episode, Capaldi, his hair's all grown Mm. and his clothes have fixed themselves and he's cleaned himself up. Is the Christmas special actually real or is it all happening in his head? And is Bill really corporally Bill in the Christmas special? That sounds a bit like Matt Smith hallucinating Amelia Pond. Well, the thing is, Matt Smith defending a sort of homesteady area against alien mm. cyber invaders yeah we sort of saw that earlier in the month and clara running off with a strange girl in a special spaceship we saw yeah we've seen that sort of recently again too nothing seems to be particularly new no <laughs> about the recent closure and you know that's a grumble i have with it so mm. if someone says you can't do that because we did that with amy well <laughs> he's got form <laughs> he's got form and just something about it I'm, I'm just going even the doctor lying in a field I mean is he actually 
how did he get? You know, did he really get to the floor of the TARDIS? Is is there a imaginary element to it? I mean, yeah, there's there's form for hair and clothes regenerating, so maybe not. Mm. But that's something I thought at the end of the episode. How real is actually this going to be? And I, you think back to things like the Pork and Ale novels, where every incarnation of the Doctor exists in an area in the Doctor's head. Mm. How real is what we're seeing? You could be overthinking it, Dave. And that's this week's <laughs> Dave's Conspiracy Corner. Has anybody seen Out of Well At? <laughs> oh, it's good to have you back, Dave. And thanks to Jono for covering. Uh, are we at time, do you think? Um, not unless you had anything for the table. Uh, it's just something, and again, it's not our usual thing because it's a Doctor Who thing. Big Finish have done a subscriber story called How to Take Over Planets and Influence People. It's one of the best stories I think they've ever done. It's about Rufus Hound oh. playing a character. I won't spoil who. Has he played this character before? He's played this character before. Okay. With Big Finish. Sold. Doing a presentation on how to take over the planet Earth. Excellent. <laughs> it's very good. Lovely. How about yourself? Anything to bring to the table? Anything new and interesting? Um, not who-wise. Um, not new. But I've got a question for you, Dave. Yes? What first appeared in 1963 as an adventure in a junkyard that ended up in prehistoric times? I was going to say Steptoe and Son, but no, we can't talk about them anymore. Oh, you were so close. It's Stig of the Dump. Oh, <laughs> Junior and I have been reading Stig of the Dump the past, uh, okay, the past couple cool. of weeks and loving it. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I, I just thought the coincidences were just too ripe to not use. Well, that's, ex- that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good one. I do like that. Uh, have you read it recently at all? Do you read it to the No, kids? I've never read it. I've never read Stig of the Dump. I remember the television ad- adaptation, mm-hmm. which sort of looked a lot like Wurzel Gummidge. I don't know if they were... Done by similar production companies or something. Possibly. There, there were two. It. There was one done in the 90s with Thomas Brody Sangster as Barney. The, um, yeah, the not that kid. one. Yeah. So this would have been the sort of the 70s one, which mm. I think may have played here in New Zealand. Or oh, must have done, if you, if you must remember. Have done. Mm. But I remember as a, as a kid, in fact, there were bits of the book. I, when reading it to Junior, I thought, oh. I, I remember this. I remember the scene in the moonlight with the the roses being all black because you know the daylight's gone and all the colours been stripped away. Um, but there are whole episodes I didn't remember at all, and I don't know if I ever fully finished it as a kid. But it's just so rich. It was so rich. In fact, I went to a, an archaeology podcast which was dealing with Neanderthals and asked the question: Is Stig a Neanderthal? Just to sort of go over that. And you got lots of Top Gear answers. Uh, <laughs> Not that stick. It's dated a little bit, obviously. It's one of those sort of mm. bracket of stories, like I guess Swallows and Amazons and the Railway Children and even things like you know The Hobbit and The Little Grey Men that, that exist in a time which just doesn't exist now. Mm. So it's sort of a bit bittersweet. But as I say, I don't think I'd reach the end as reading it as a kid. And by crikey, what a weird ending it's got. I, but I do recommend it, though. It's an easy read for the kids. I remember the end of the TV series with being quite strange. But again, don't want to go into spoilers. No, so. no, I'm being very careful. But uh, that, that's mm-hmm. my bring back for the week. Oh, excellent. Mm. Excellent. The other thing I've been doing on holidays, I'm now nearly finished my 2018 reread. So yeah, Proxologue. We might actually one day get round to releasing our episode about Proxologue. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I look forward to Watch it. this space, people. Yes, it is. Okay. In the interim, mm. we have a web page. BeyondTheSofaWordPress.com And we have a Twitter, but as you know, both neither of us are really into tweeting. Uh, we have a page on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And we are SofaGiddon at gmail.com if you want to drop us a line. And on Twitter, we're uh, at SofaGiddon. And as always, thanks to David McIntosh, the man what does our tunes. Indeed. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, it's good night from me. And it's good night from me. Good night. Good night. Thank you.